there, friends. Welcome to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Larson, and I'm so glad that you are here listening today. This episode is for you, whether you are a believer and you want to dive deeper into your faith and know why you believe what you believe. This is for you if you don't believe in Jesus, that you think that he didn't exist, or you have questions, or you just want to know more. But um, this series, it's an Advent series, but not a typical one, because we're going through the argument that C.S. Lewis makes in his book, Mere Christianity, that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, a legend, or he was Lord. If he claimed to be a human who was also God, he must have been one of those four L's. We also threw in that uh, Jesus is not Santa Claus because it is the Christmas season. And a lot of those characteristics of Santa and Jesus are associated with each other, even though Jesus is very different. So we've already jumped into the first L last week, uh, Jesus is not a liar. And the first week we did the that Jesus is not Santa Claus. So today we're doing the second L, is Jesus a lunatic? So, a lunatic, um, based on dictionary.com, the first definition is not really used anymore because it's offensive, an offensive term for like a mentally ill person or an insane person, but that's where it was originally used in that way, lunatic. But um, other definitions are a person whose actions and manner are marked by extreme eccentricity or recklessness. And the third definition is a person legally declared to be of unsound mind and who therefore is not held capable or responsible before the law, a formal legal term. So some people think that Jesus is a lunatic because who claims to be God as a man and really believes it? Also, who claims to die and raise to life again and try to convince other people that it actually happened? Who's crazy enough to leave heaven to die for sinners? If you believe that those things happen, then who is crazy enough to do that? And also, who is crazy enough to say such things as, love your enemies, pick up your cross and follow me? He says some really weird things. So it definitely makes sense why people see him as a lunatic, but we'll get into why he is not a lunatic. Now, I would do want to say that next week we'll get more into the reality of Jesus's existence, his death and resurrection. This week, we're not really going into that. But something important that sets apart Jesus from lunatics is his heart. We see that he has integrity, which is being the same in heart and word and in action. His intentions match what he says. And is what he says matches what he does. And we can also see his heart of humility and compassion. We can see he has authority and power and um, his ideas of this upside down kingdom. So we're going to get into all of that today. But um, we will get into next week more about the historical evidence of his actual existence. Um, because that's more has to do with him being a legend or not rather than a lunatic or not. So, with that being said, let's dive in. And so, the first thing is that we see Jesus' heart of humility and compassion. So, a couple references here. We've got he, or sorry, we've got Philippians two, verses six through eight. 
Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And also in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can see his heart of compassion throughout the Gospels in his life. He was humble, even though he is the Son of God. He could have come exploiting that and being like, I am the son of God, please treat me royally, let me sit in the palace and eat the fancy foods. But he was hanging out with the lowest, um, the lowest in society, really. And so we see his humility and compassion and how he could not help but to heal people that he saw. He saw and he reached out. He forgave people. He healed people. He brought sight to the blind. He cleansed the lepers, made the lame walk, the mute speak. He drove out demons. And he encourages the things that he said, like, aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I don't know if you've seen the show, The Chosen. I haven't seen all of it yet. I'm watching in like season two. But the show depicts the stories given in the four gospels to show Jesus' life and the life of those around him. And over and over again, you see him seemingly interrupted by people's problems, but he stops whatever he's doing to help. He sees someone sick. He cannot help but heal them. If you want to check out the show, they actually have their own app um, called The Chosen, and recently their episodes have been added on Netflix as well. Another great resource is this book, um, Gentle and Lowly, by Dane Ortland. I just finished that recently, and the author dives into the heart of Christ, which is expressed in the Matthew 11 verses that we just shared. As we see in this example in Luke 6, we're about to go into, he is so full of compassion, he just cannot help but heal. Uh, It says, after coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. So that's an example of a crowd. Most of the examples that we see um, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are individual encounters where he sees someone who's blind and he puts mud on their eyes and washes it away. Um, We see him heal the woman with the issue of bleeding. We see him heal children who are dead, raised back to life. And so that is coming from his heart of compassion and humility to help those who need him. And in that we also see his authority and integrity. He has power to heal. He has boldness against religious leaders as well. And he has authority that comes from God the Father. In John 7 verses 15 through 18, it says, Then the Jews were amazed and said, How is this man so learned since he hasn't been trained? Jesus answered them, My teaching isn't mine, but it is from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. 
The one who speaks on his own seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and there is no one no and there is no unrighteousness in him. He did not just come to do things willy-nilly. He came doing things as God the Father wanted. In John 6, 38, it says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And before going on the cross, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Luke 22, verse 42, it says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So he's not a crazy person, as a lunatic would imply. He has a huge heart for people and wanting to help them and wanting to love them and forgive them and heal them. And he also has this power and authority that comes from on high. So he could use that to his own benefit, but he doesn't. He's not a self-focused, self-promoting person. He has integrity. He does what he says. He fulfilled scripture from the Old Testament and he prophesied three times his own death and resurrection to his disciples, and he did that. He is a trustworthy person. Just as we talked about last week, he's not a liar. He is truth. And, okay, we also see he says, like, some strange things that I could definitely see if someone was reading it, they'd be like, this guy is crazy. Um, So there's this idea called the upside-down kingdom because he says things that seem backwards to the world, like, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, you must lose your life to gain it. Blessed are those who are poor, who are hungry, who weep when people hate you. Woe to those who are rich, who are full, who laugh, and when people speak well of you. These things seem backwards to how our society works, and they are. But these things are the way that God's kingdom works, and it's actually a deeper wisdom. So it sounds crazy when you first hear it, but the more you press into it and learn it, you realize the truth in what he is saying. And that which is highly valued by the world is of low value in God's kingdom and vice versa. They seem like crazy ideas to this world that loves to glorify ourselves and to have the most pleasure in the present moment. But Jesus's ideas are really delayed um, gratification and delayed glorification because this world will pass away along with its treasures and anything that we can gain here on this earth. But if your reward is in heaven, if you're seeking that heavenly reward where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal, your reward is eternal and the glory goes to who it belongs, the Lord. So we can see that Jesus is not a lunatic by seeing his compassionate heart his integrity, and his wisdom. He cares about others and is not self-focused or self-promoting. His actions match his words. He speaks words that seem crazy, but only to those who do not press into his words deeper to find wisdom beyond the foolishness of this world. And if you're wanting to know him more, sometimes it can be scary because sometimes it might seem like there'd be condemnation. Like, oh, I don't live the way that Jesus says, so he probably doesn't want me, and I don't know that I want to live that life. He has all authority, and he rules over heaven, and he is perfectly holy, and he gives us commands to love him and to love others. And it seems sometimes like 
not fun, I guess. Like some people think that being a Christian is not fun because there's all these rules and like you'd rather just live your own way and decide for yourself what is good and bad and take control of your own life. And I just want to encourage you to talk to him because you will see how welcoming he is and how much he loves you just as you are right now, even if you are not living the way that is best for you. I was reading recently the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. And it's when Jesus is talking to these tax collectors and sinners who are these people that everyone looked down on. Like the religious leaders, they would look down on these people. They were like, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And they were disgusted by it. And they were complaining, these religious leaders. But Jesus sees these tax collectors and sinners and he tells these parables, these stories that um, align with his heart for us. The first parable he tells is about the lost sheep and that he left the 99 to go find the one and rejoices when he finds the lost sheep. In the same way, when someone loses a coin, if they have 10 coins, they will search the house. They will sweep the house, light a lamp and search carefully until you find it and rejoice because they found the lost silver coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. And then we get the prodigal, oh, the parable of the prodigal son. It's this man who has two sons. The younger of them says to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So basically the father had to declare himself dead so that his son could have his inheritance. So the son already has this inheritance. He already has what the father gives him. And then very soon after that younger son goes with his estate that he has gathered from his father and goes away. He goes to a distant country and he squanders his wealth on foolish living. And after he spent everything that his father gave him, there was a bad famine and he went to go work to feed pigs for this citizen of that country. And he was so hungry. He just wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. And he finally came to his senses that his father's hired workers have more than enough food and he's like dying of hunger. So he says, I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and, and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he gets up and goes to his father. And I love this. He says, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. Let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So I hope you can see that no matter where you're at, if you are far from God right now, if you are in that distant country and you are just spending everything that he has given you, your life, your breath, the gifts that he has given you, you're using them in ways that are not for his glory and you're far away, he longs to see you return. While you're still far away off, he'll come running and embrace you. He wants to see you return to him. And if you're not sure what to say, you can say something similar to the son did. Father, I've sinned against you. I know that I am not worthy, but you are. 
Please give me your life, your love, your hope. I know that Jesus died and took my place for my sins so that I can be welcomed in your presence. And I want to spend eternity with you. I want to know you more. He delights to hear from you. He hears your cry. Jesus is not a lunatic, but he is crazy about you. He loves you so much that he was willing to leave heaven and come to earth to pay the price for your sin. Even if you didn't turn back to him, he has the open door waiting for you. Someday we will face judgment. We know that man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. We have this chance on earth to know and to learn about him and to turn to him. I hope you take the opportunity. If you have questions or want to know more, please feel free to reach out to me. And if you're already a believer, I hope you find opportunities to continue growing in him and remembering how much he has done for you and also sharing that with others so that they can know him too because it is the greatest gift in the world. Better than any Christmas gift we could ask for because he is the real Christmas gift. As cheesy as it is, it's true. So take this truth and knowledge as you are still stepping into this Christmas season, as you're stepping into holiday dinners with family, as you're doing get-togethers with friends you haven't seen in a while. Love your friends like he loves us. The truth is, these are all things that come from the Bible. I try to pull things from the Bible, that things that happened in Jesus' life, examples of him healing and things that he said. And I probably mess it up. I try to check to make sure it matches, but I probably mess up. So you should check it yourself. But I also know him because I talk to him. He's at the right hand of God in heaven right now. He's interceding on our behalf. That's what he's doing. And he's our advocate. And I can talk to him. I have the Holy Spirit and I'm able to talk to him. And I know that he's not a lunatic. I know that he cares deeply and that he has a sounder mind than any of us. God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the understanding. Who taught the Lord? No one. God was here first. <laughs> he, no one created God. God is. He exists outside of time and out of space. He created time and space. So the wisdom we get from him is true wisdom. The wisdom we get from this world is created by humans. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So God's worst, not that he has a worst, but just for argument's sake, his worst is better than anything that man can hold up as his best. And the strongest of men's strength is weaker than God's weakness. God obviously has no weakness or any immorality in him. He is perfect and he is the source of strength. So may we turn to him and know that he is the source of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. He's not a lunatic. He has heart for people. He has integrity and authority. Okay, but did he actually live on earth as fully God, fully man? Did he really die on the cross to take the wrath of God for the sins of the world? Did he really raise to life on the third day? 
I mean, it's great if Jesus has a compassionate heart, a humble heart. He has authority and integrity and he has wisdom. But what does it matter if he's not real? So join us next week as we discuss if Jesus is just a legend or if he is real. Thanks for listening today to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. I hope you've been encouraged today. Join us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for leaving rates and reviews and sharing with your friends to help share truth in his word. Have a great week and may the Lord bless you and keep you.